0: a letter that rebbe sent to all the jewish people from the 18th of el 1975. go right to it so what was the date is that chayel (laughs) baruch (laughs) hashem chayel Brooklyn, new york to the sons and daughters of israel wherever which are in every single place wherever they are god bless you all Greetings and blessings in preparation for shoshana which is coming upon us and upon all the jewish people for good and for blessing, Rosh Hashanah is the head of the year, as opposed to other terms that are used to describe Rosh Hashanah. That points out it's our. We don't call it New Year; we call it the head of the year. Why do we call it the head of the year? We call it the head of the year because it gives direction and instruction and conducts a person's life in all the days of the year. In other words. What happens to Shoshana will inform your behavior for the rest of the year, will affect your behavior the rest of the year. What happens that day has great potency vis-a-vis whatever happens the rest of the year, just like the head of your body has a great impact and directs and governs whatever happens in the rest of the year. In other occasions, Nehemiah spoke about how there are three reasons why it's called the head of the year. One is because just like the head is a source of the energy of the body and the head is the highest part of the body and the head governs whatever happens in the rest of the body so to uh, Rosh Hashanah it is the highest day of the year as Adam said when uh, or as we say in our prayers this is the day of the beginning of the works we say this is the day Hasidus explains that the word this means revelation you point at something and say, this is it That means it's a very vivid revelation So Shoshana is the highest day of the year That's why it's called the head of the year, the highest day of the year It's also called the head of the year because It's the source of the energy of the year Like The head is the source of the energy of the body And also it governs whatever happens In the rest of the year It affects our decisions and that they Affect whatever happens on the rest of the year Therefore, another reason why it's called the head of the year As opposed to new year or any other So this is also the day that God made man, the first man, and from this man, from Adam, all Adamarishan, all people come from him. In the note over here, that points out that the connection we have with Adam is to such an extent that every single person looks at like every person has a similarity to Adam. How so? Just like. Adam was created alone, so too every Jew should look at themselves as if the world was created just for them. So, uh, point to your point, David, about being lonely. Every Jew is meant to think about themselves that they are lonely in the sense that the whole world is created for them. Uh, also, the Arizal says it's in a simple particular way, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. I just well, in a positive way. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. The whole world's here for you. Um, the result says that. Adam's soul was like a mother's soul, which included into many other souls. And there are some souls, the Jewish people, which are a relationship to Adam's head, some to other parts. So all souls come from Adam, from different parts of Adam. Adam's Adam just like the makeup of the body is different parts, so to the makeup of the soul, different parts, there's a part of the soul which is head, heart, and um, Adam wasn't Jewish. That's a good that's a good question. Um one explanation of that is is that um, the definition of being Jewish is that your soul is so connected to you that your offspring is also uh, related to you. In the sense of of um, Avraham and Sarah, their marriage produced Jewish children. Adam Podest possessed had a a soul a godly soul the one the, one the great his soul contains right. all their souls but the soul wasn't. Connected to him in a way that one of his offspring would would um, also also have that connection. So, anyway, so every Jew is has from inside of them something of the soul of Adam. And that's what we're all, a Jew is called Adam. The Talmud says, Jews are called Adam. Why are we called Adam? Because we have in us something of Adam. In the trial of Mendel Bayless, Jackie Mason's uh, Zayda actually was a lawyer. Uh, not a lawyer. He was the lawyers of the of the blood libel against Mendel Baylis uh, consulted with different rabbis about um, the case. It was a it was a, a blood, blood blood libel only a hundred years ago, and it was, the whole world was was talking about it. And they wanted to from the Torah. The lawyers wanted to prove from the Torah that the Torah doesn't subscribe to um, killing Christian children for the sake of matza. So um, or anything else. Or anything else. <laughs> So one of the things that that uh, the Ramesh Maza Yaakov Mesh Maza uh, what was his name he 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 gave to the um, lawyer on the defense was the following idea: the the, the lawyer, the prosecution uh, pointed out that in the in the Talmud it says this word the Jewish people are called Adam. So so he is saying oh so that means you ought to kill anyone who's not an Adam, anyone's or oh, people anyone's not a people just like you, just like you you kill cattle to cattle you can kill people. So, so he said to them the following, he says, when some French is accused of murder, are all French people accused of murder? One French guy is accused of murder, but not everyone else, not everyone else is. If one American is accused, accused of murder, every American accused of murder. But here he says, Jewish people are like one body, like one organism, like one man. A Mendel Baal is, is on the stand. Every single Jew in the world is on the stand. Every single Jew is being accused of murder. Anyway, so Baruch Hashem, uh, he was uh, successful. He also in, in, in instructed the, the, the lawyer to conclude his, his uh, presentation with, with with the recital Shema, if I remember incorrectly. So getting back to our subject over here. So Adam is the, is the first man, and all men come from Adam. So we need to seriously and uh, really... Strongly um, delve into the lessons of Rosh Hashanah as they are explicitly written about or hinted to in the Torah, which that's the whole. That is what Torah is about. The word Torah comes from the word lesson. It's called the Torah of life. It has lessons in our daily life of every Jew, man and woman, and the lessons aren't are both from Rosh Hashanah in general, all Rosh Hashanahs, and also a lesson from the specific way Rosh Hashanah falls out, the day of the week, what kind of year it is. So there's lessons to be learned from those things. Even though every Rosh Hashanah brings new instructions. So we're going to focus on one of the instructions of Rosh Hashanah, which is given to us by our sages. Sages say the following, God made Adam on Friday, on the last day of creation. Why? So he gives a parable to explain this. There's a king who built a palace. And he made the palace with all of the luxuries of the palace. And he prepared a meal. And then he brought the guests. So too, God built built the whole world with wisdom. And he built all the needs of the world, all, all that the world needs. And then he brought the guests. Who are the guests? The guests are Adam and Eve. So So on the one hand, the Mendish is emphasizing that what are we doing here? We We are the invited guests. God made the whole world for us, right? On the other hand, the Torah says, man was created to work. Each person has to say, says the Talmud, I was created to serve my master. So we need to understand, how can these two diametrically opposed perspectives about man's creation come together? Either we are called God's important guest, which comes when everything is ready and prepared, and at the same time we're called God's servant, as to us to always serve God and to work hard. Who are we? Are we the guest, or are we the slaves? <clears throat> the um, Rebbe points out in a note that um, the uh, the reason why the Talmud needs to explain why man was created last was because um, God, as we just as we just this week, God thought about the Jewish people before everything. So therefore the question is, so then if, if the souls of Israel are the very first thing that arose in God's thought before even before the Torah, therefore the question is, why is he last? Um, the Vicar Abba says, God created man last and first, the last day was created, and the first day was created, meaning we arose in God's thoughts first, but actually we're created last. So therefore, the question is, if we're if we the whole point, why we created last? And that's what the answer is, we're God's important guests. He wants to create everything first, so that we should find everything ready. So his question is, one second, are we God's invited guest, or are we his servant? And how do these two ideas go together? This is especially relevant. There was this letter, that was 1975 when Shoshan fell on Shabbos, which Shabbos emphasizes. The day of Shabbos is a day when you're supposed to be conscious of how everything is ready, the meal is ready, and you have nothing to worry about. Everything's done for you. So the question is even greater, on coming from perspective of of Shabbos. How does that fit with this idea that man was served to man was created to work and to serve his master? Are we the servants or are we the guests? And one explanation of this is as follows. It's specifically the composition of both components that gives us a very deep instruction in life and something which is a far-reaching instruction that affects our daily life. And it expresses itself in a few points. Point number one, God expects from Adam and Eve this is instruction for every Jew as well, men and women, that even when they are in a circumstance that's similar to a kingly palace, which is not only a place which has all of its necessities, but it has all the luxuries as well, and they're invited as important guests, they have to make that itself, that circumstance, that, that, that luxury that God has given them, they have to make that also a service of God. The creator of the whole world. So even when the person is is in a situation of palace, he has everything he needs, and it's it's more. It's, he has all his luxuries as well. He has to know that's, that he has to turn that into a service of God. In the highest level, the highest level of of, of um, luxury, in a spiritual level, is is something that the Torah tells us about Moshe Rabbeinu. It says in the Torah about Moshe Rabbeinu that there's never been a prophet like Moshe Rabbeinu, never will be a prophet like Moshe Rabbeinu, who knew God face to face. And when did Moshe reach his highest perfection? His highest perfection, on when he reached the 50th gate of understanding. Elsewhere, Chassidus points out that Moshe Rabbeinu passed away in a mountain called Nervo. Where Nevo has three letters, Nun Be'ezvah. Nun Be'ezvah stands for Nun Boy. It has the Nun, it has the 50th in it. Moshe could only get the 49th Gate of Understanding in his lifetime, but in the last day of his life, he reached the 50th Gate of Understanding. So even then, who was Moshe on, on the day when he achieves perfection, the 50th Gate of Understanding, he is the one who knows God face to face. How does the Torah describe Moshe on that day? He is Moshe, the servant of God. He is in. His whole being, his whole circumstance, his whole definition, is a servant of God. So he has the greatest luxury, spiritually, he's, he's, he's given the best things that there are, that the Kupasa got in the world, he's getting the 50th gate of understanding, and who is he? He's is a servant of God. Also, on the other extreme, as explained in many uh, places, many times, you, the service of God does not only apply when you pray and when you learn in Torah or do mitzvahs, but also in the language of Maimonides, when you eat and when you drink and when you do business even when you sleep because how, how can you serve God when you sleep? because a Jew has to prepare to go to sleep so that is, sort of sleeping itself is a service of God which this is one of the main explanations and deeper meanings of saying Shema before going to sleep, it's that that's about setting the stage for um for your sleep to be the way it's meant to be thank you for that sleep prep talk i'll use that in my practice i appreciate that my pleasure my pleasure my pleasure <laughs> elsewhere um the previous server points out <clears throat> that um by being kind to people during the day that helps that our dreams should be sweeter um and in general um, elsewhere in many letters there speaks to people who talk about different kinds of dreams and what they should do about it it generally says to check the mezuzah's film uh, if you could say generally and, and there are many instances there people that, that check the and film because of their bad dreams and many other instances i were told people to read books of stories that said Deakin before they go to sleep before they were said to learn for example the book of memoirs before going to sleep I don't, I don't know. That. Uh, I know that. I not know. Read a before. Said, okay. So so reading the stories of Sadiqim in general and saying shema, but 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 here it never says something else. Here they're saying service of Hashem includes your sleep, and that's the meaning of saying shema for going to sleep. That's, that's it says in the, in the Gemara that <clears throat> when you say when you, when you um, go to sleep, the Zohar says your soul goes to heaven to get more energy. So when does it actually go get more energy? <clears throat> it depends how you go to sleep. Um, the previous Sabbath says that one of the last things we say in our prayers before we're going to sleep are the words in your hand I entrust my spirit So the previous Sabbath said those words are an acronym for the word well That the way to receive a well of energy for the next day uh, is by giving yourself over to Hashem when you say those words that devotion you have in going to sleep that is what gives you the energy for the next day stands for be'er a well of energy behr, okay. famous me. teaching of Meirah Premishlan Meirah Premishlan points out that in general when the Ramah disagrees with the Code of Jewish Law so he um, he, points, he, he, he puts something down on, 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 and he, uh, he notes it in his Mappa in his, in his work on the Code of Jewish Law and in the Code of Jewish Law in the beginning he talks about, about how as soon as you wake up in the morning you have to feel that God is looking at you, you have to feel the truth so the Ramah says over there, you should also, when you go to sleep, be aware that God's looking at you. So, um, so the Meir says, why is he mentioning this now in the beginning of the in the laws the laws of waking up? Why, why isn't he talk about this about the laws of going to sleep? And he answers, in order to wake up like a lion, you can't go to sleep like a horse. <laughs> you know. <laughs> You, you, you have you have to go to sleep with v'yod to yourself to God, and that's how you make your sleep a service of God. It, it says in Tanya that a person should be conscious of of all the things, all the times they had dreams and they weren't. And, and when Avodah speaks in chapter twenty nine about making accounting of where you are in service of Hashem, and you point out different different things that maybe people on a higher level don't. Um, they don't see their, their, their shortcomings as much. And the altavist says different things that they could also think about to realize that they have, and they're also their behavior leaves much to be desired. One of the things often mentions is, does your soul go to heaven and learn Torah when you go to sleep? Are you really experiencing that? And it doesn't that, to be accounting, it needs to be a balance. It's not one of those, let uh, me look at all the bad things that I did. I think that that's, yeah. So, yeah, it so the to be an accounting. Right, so, so, so the, before going to sleep, is supposed to make a cheshwana, it's supposed right. to make an account and uh, it's not to make you feel like a doormat God forbid, it's, it's only in order purpose to know people what think that, that, that's what the accounting is, is to see all the bad things that you go to sleep feeling like a no. Pur- purpose like is, a is to make tomorrow better, how can I make tomorrow better that's, that's the directory right. of it and that causes the sleep itself to be a different kind of sleep that's what I was saying here so I'm just pointing out that the, that, that, the, the, um, the uh, kind of sleep you have to do with the Shema that's a table before going to sleep it's in our. It's something which is given to our hands in large measure. Okay. Second point, um, which is also has to be expressed in daily life. That and this is the following: God gave Adam and Eve, and through them to all Jews, men, women, to all generations, the power and the and the upper, and the um, ability to serve God and to add to this kingly palace although this is a palace that God made with his wisdom and so no matter how good the world is around you you can and you must every person must bring the world around them to a greater and higher level of perfection as the Torah says this wonderly, this, this wonderful wondrous expression how a person's addition to creation causes man to become a partner with God in creation and a Jew can and, and does so much that God calls the Torah, which is the Torah of truth, says you are a partner with God in creation. So the second point is that we have to realize that God gives us the opportunity to add to creation, to be, and, so much to, and so much so that we're called a partner with God in creation. Elsewhere, the um, Rebbe points out that uh, Hashem could have created us in a way that we don't have this need to achieve. Hashem created us in a way that we always want to accomplish. The Talmud says you would rather have nine measures. Right, You'd rather have one thing of wheat that you planted yourself than nine measures you received from someone else. You want to accomplish yourself. Man does not like shameful bread. But they're asked, how come God created us with this need to achieve? Why couldn't God create us in a way that we don't have a need to achieve? What's the point of creating us with this need that we, need, we, we feel we need to achieve? And the answer that everybody gives is that. The greatest gift that can be given to a person is to be a partner with God, to be one with God in creation, and therefore God creates creates us with a need that we want to accomplish and innovate ourselves, so that we can become partners to God in creation. Okay, so those those, those are the first two points. Again, point number one is that we have to serve God, um, even if we are in a in a luxury luxurious um, circumstances, God. It creates those circumstances also as part of the service of God. Whatever luxury God gives us is meant to also be a whatever God gives us is meant to be for the sake of serving God. And and whatever we're doing has is meant to be a service, part of the service of God. Even in our sleep. The second point is that man has given the ability to become a partner with God in creation to make a difference. We can and we must make a difference. Point number three: these two above aforementioned points make it easier for every single man and woman to do all that they need to do to go higher and higher in all areas which are connected to Torah and Mitzvahs and Judaism in general in the full in in sync with man's task in life I was created to serve my master thinking about the wondrous power that God gave him to become a partner and not in a small thing or in one thing, but in the whole creation, with the creation of, that was made with God's wisdom. So thinking about how God gave us his wondrous powers, this makes it a lot easier to, um, to, to strive to go higher and higher in all areas of the service of God. Point number four. This service of God is not something that can be reached in the full measure through a limited or a inconsistent service by special occasions or special opportunities. Rather, through a life, a path in life, which is expressed in a daily service of God, so that every action, every word and every thought should be for the sake of God. So that every action, word, and thought is done in a way that, in the language of King Solomon, in all your ways you should know him. So that he should seek godliness in all areas of his life, and also in his in the needs he has in the world. As as Sarah said earlier, even his eating and his drinking—that means in his daily uh, daily life. So it's not so. The service of God is not just something that we do on special occasions. Is point number four. It's not something that that, that that has to do with special opportunities. Rather, it's something that's meant to be done all the time. Every thought, every word, and every action has to be connected to seek godliness in everything and serve God with everything. Point number five. Service of God, the shamash kaini, is something that contains an, an ingredient. God tells us about the service of God Serve God with joy. Serve God with joy and with pleasure. With fargenigan. The previous Rebbe told my grandfather, whatever you do, do with fargenigan, with pleasure. And what's a pleasure? What's the joy? The pleasure and joy is that you can serve God. So, fifth point is the service of God. You're serving God. Serve, so, Torah says when you're serving God, it's to be with joy and pleasure. And this is especially connected to Rosh Hashanah. Uh, the Rebbe is um, giving this letter for. For 1975, Mosh Hashanah fell, fell out on Shabbos, was Shabbos' Day of Pleasure. So, but of course, it's also a message for us every year as well. The Hashem should bless and give success to every single man and woman, to do all the above in a way of joy and pleasure. And God should take away everything that can, God forbid, disturb. And through this, to cause salvation, the Kedav Haaretz, in the midst of the earth in a way that's open and clear that we could see and the main thing is to give every jew and all jews a good and sweet year in all details and all areas um, that's the letter in the notes over here um ever points out the meaning of the words good and sweet year the meaning of good and sweet is, it refers to some things which are good um, and there are some things which have weren't good, but God sweetened them and made them good. Like there are some things we say about them, this is also good. Gamzula Toyba, like the famous sage said about terrible calamities that happened to him, is this is also good. So the idea of musuka, a good and sweet year, means that it's also a blessing, that those things which aren't good should be transformed to good. Um It's also connected to the custom of, um, of eating honey uh, with apple and honey and, and honey. Um, we want the, the, the meaning of this is not just to um, have a blessing for those things in our life which aren't we we want them to be to be transformed to be sweet, but is also connected to our own service of God, as it says in chapter chapter twenty seven in Tanya, that there um, that there are two kinds of delicacies. There are delicacies which are naturally pleasurable and sweet and enjoyable. And there are some foods which aren't delicacies naturally, but they can be seasoned in a way that they become a delicacy. And so too, God made some people to be tzaddikim. They're perfect and they're holy and they're noble. And some people have to fight with their inner demons. And that is a unique delicacy Hashem has from their service when they push away their inclination to do the wrong thing and, and instead serve God, that, that, that that's something that causes unique pleasures of God so let's just go over briefly five points again that we learn from from this from this composition of on the one hand we are called God's guests in his palace on the other hand we're called God's servants number one whatever circumstances you're in even if you're in a, a kingly palace that's also part of the service of God whatever you're doing is part of the service of God that's number one even Moses, who was given the greatest gifts, he's also called God's servant. Second point is that God gives us opportunity to be a partner with Him, creation, to add to this amazing creation that He gave, made with His wisdom, and not just to add to something in the creation, but to be called a partner with God in the whole creation. That's something God empowers us to do, and this brings us to point number three, that we are have these wondrous capabilities, and therefore we should we should um, strive to go higher, knowing how much we have inside of us with God empowering us. Point number four, service of God is not just at some times in the day or or year year when you have special opportunities. Rather, service of God is at all times when everything that you have, all your thoughts, words, and actions. And point number five, if you're serving God, God says about his service has to be done with joy. All right, stop here.